Welcome to the Federation of Asian Canadian Lawyers, Faculty of British Columbia podcast. We are a diverse coalition of Asian Canadian legal professionals. We promote equity, justice, and opportunity for Asian Canadian legal professionals and the community. We foster advocacy, community involvement, legal scholarship, and professional development. The purpose of this podcast highlights the diverse and unique members of our community. We hope you enjoy our podcast. I am your guest host, Brian Chang. I'm excited to announce our guest today, family litigator and family man, also practicing in commercial and insurance litigation. He is the head of his firm's new family law practice group, and he was recently elected bencher of the Law Society of BC. Please welcome partner at Hamilton Duncan, Mr. Graminder Sandhu. Graminder, welcome and thank you for joining us today. Thank you uh, for having me, Brian. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, and of course, we're recording this over the holidays right now. I, I know you've got three kids. You've had some time off during the holidays. So I do have to ask you, did you go out and play in the snow yet? <laughs> uh, I have. I'm not a big fan of the cold. So the first couple of days during the winter break, I did go on some snowshoeing trips, but I'm not really accustomed to the minus 10 frigid air that we've been experiencing this past couple of days. So in terms of living in any part of Canada, I'm blessed to say that I was born and raised in Vancouver. That's great. And you know, if, if uh, time permits, maybe uh, you'll want to build a snowman with me at some point. <laughs> For sure. So I have to congratulate you, of course. Uh, you were recently elected as bencher of the Law Society of British Columbia. How, how, how does that feel? You are uh, now one of the elected representatives of the BC Bar. Well, Brian, it feels fantastic and it feels good for multiple reasons. The profession has provided me with a way to support my family for the past two decades. It has taught me through various mentors how to become a better lawyer, a better person. And running for venture and thankfully getting elected is my way of giving back the legal community, which has supported me for so long. You're a South Asian member of the BC Bar, and you're a South Asian person who is now a bencher. Do, do you think that the Law Society Benchers is reflective of the multicultural diversity, the makeup of the BC Bar at this point? As of this point, I believe that the Law Society Benchers are reflective of the wider community. This has changed over the two decades of my practice. It was relatively homogenous when I started um, my practice back in 2000. Over time, incremental steps have been taken by the Law Society, as well as people running for venture, to try to change that. And in 2021, one of at least four ethnic racialized members of the Law Society. And there are currently five First Nations elected benchers, which is fantastic. It, it's never been done before. And it's about time, given it's 2021. Now, at what point in your career did you decide that you wanted to become a bencher? I was always interested in giving back to the legal community. I started volunteering with the Salvation Army Pro Bono Clinic, with the UBC Law Students Legal Advice Program, 
And eventually I started volunteering with the Canadian Bar Association as well as with the Law Society. So volunteerism and giving back to the legal community is something that I started my professional career with and I wanted to continue. And so I first decided to run for venture back in 2017 when I ran for venture in Vancouver County. Sadly, I wasn't successful, but I didn't give up hope. The opportunity came about to run in Westminster County a few months ago, and I decided, hey, why not? There was a, a quote of a very popular quarterback who plays for the Seattle Seahawks, Russell Wilson, and he had a conversation with his father. They were watching a football game when he was in college, and during that game, his father turned to him and said, Russell, why not you? And that story resonated with me. And that was one of the reasons that I decided to run for venture a second time. Because I asked myself, Minder, why not you? And with that wishful thinking, I threw in my hat and the rest is history. You know that I'm a big Seattle Seahawks fan. And of course, quoting Russell Wilson's father is a great way to get my interest. So I look forward to the day that, Germinder, you play for the Seattle Seahawks too, because why, why not you, right? You should be the quarterback. And uh, <laughs> maybe maybe you would have done better against Tom Brady's Patriots that, that one game when the Seahawks lost in the Super Bowl. I, that, that still pains me greatly. Ryan, I can assure you that it won't be in this life maybe in the next life, but we'll see. <laughs> well, I suppose if you were on the Seahawks, you might go from venture to just being a bench warmer, but uh, <laughs> close, close enough, right? <laughs> yes, that's a, that's a better option. So you, you mentioned earlier, you ran in 2017 and unfortunately not successfully, and you decided to give it another go. And right now you're venture of Westminster County. Can you tell us what you think you did differently to find success this second time around? I ran in 2018 in Vancouver. The difference between that election and this election was connecting with people. I think as venture, you have to really connect with the membership. You have to interact with them, answer uh, their questions, and reach out and address any concerns or issues that they want dealt with. And, and that could be as simple as going out for coffee or answering their questions on various social media platforms, or just inviting people to give you a call and, and having a fireside chat with the membership. And I've I had a number of conversations with the membership, both senior practitioners and junior practitioners, and they helped open my eyes in terms of the issues that they're grappling with. Some younger members are having difficulties with finding positions as newly called members. They're having issues with conforming to trust accounting and the complexity of trust accounting. Senior members are, are dealing with uncertainties of changing practice areas, retirement planning, on unwinding their practices. So as a bencher, what can you do about these very serious issues? I mean, starting, for example, the younger 
members of the bar who are having difficulties finding positions to senior lawyers who might be winding up practices or switching practice areas. Does the law society have a role in, and especially the benchers, do they have a role in essentially getting down and dirty and taking care of these very granular issues? Well, I don't speak for the law society or any other venture, but I, I can speak for myself. And I believe that I can and will play a role in terms of assisting members who have difficulties in, in terms of their profession or their professional development. And the, the way that I can do that is just being accessible. In my platform and in my statement following the election, I indicated to members in Westminster County, and this is an open invitation to any lawyer in BC, reach out, give me a call. If they have any issues, concerns, difficulties in terms of negotiating their way through the profession, I'm happy to help. Obviously, that's on an individual level, and I, I may or may not be able to resolve their problem, but I want to be a listening post. I want to be able to assist them where I can. Now, in the second part of your question, in terms of what role does the law society have uh, and an individual member has within, or a venture has within the law society, I have to work with 30 plus elected and appointed ventures in order to make change. I will definitely voice the views and thoughts of my constituents, and I'll do my utmost in terms of conveying my perspective, the views of my constituents, and trying to convince my fellow ventures to take appropriate measures in terms of law society governance. So I think that individually and the ventures as a group can play a multifaceted role in terms of assisting the membership. That's great. Um, in your 20 plus years of practice, what do you see as being the biggest change in the legal profession um, as a whole in British Columbia? I think first and foremost, the legal profession has become more ethnically diverse. And that's not only to say that there's more ethnic lawyers out there, but positively, there's more ethnic lawyers in positions of power. And, and that's important. That's important to the next generation that see people from diverse backgrounds who are general counsel at corporations, who are managing partners at firms. The second area that I find that diversity has been enhanced over the past two decades is among the judiciary. And I note that there's members who are now of Asian descent, South Asian descent, that are members of the LGBTQ community who play a role on the bench and reflect the demographics of the province. And I think that's important to various parties that come before the courts to see someone that looks like them on the bench deciding the case. It gives a sense that this individual sitting on the bench knows me, understands me, can speak the same mother tongue, 
and may be able to relate to me in a fashion better than others. So diversity in terms of the judiciary, in terms of lawyers generally, and lawyers in positions of influence, that has been the biggest change over the past two decades. When you graduated from law school, how, how many people would you say out of your graduating class were members of a racialized community? When I graduated uh, from law school in 1999, I would say that out of a class of approximately 200 students, there was probably 20 to 25 members of the racialized community. And it was a bit of a surprise to me in terms of how underrepresented members of various racialized communities was at, at, at UBC Law School. I recall that when I graduated, there were two other lawyers with the surname Sandu, and there's probably approximately two dozen lawyers with the surname Sandu currently practicing. Are and they all related to you? They may be third or fourth cousins. No, I'm joking. Uh, no, only one is related to my brother who works for Vancouver Coastal Health. So uh, you can't take any credit for pulling along these other Sandus into success in the legal profession. They've come onto this uh, success on, on their own accord. It, it, they have. And the fact is, it's a good thing to see, um, you know, people from South Asian, East Asian communities, people from, you know, various parts of Europe, Africa, Latin America, making inroads. Because when people from racialized communities are professionals, it, it allows for an ease of access to the general public. If there's lawyers that can speak their mother tongue, that allows for access to justice, that allows for a greater level of transparency, and a greater level of understanding. Yeah. Well, it's funny you mentioned how many people with the last name Sandu graduated with your class. I also wonder then, your first name, Gurminder, is obviously very distinctly traditionally South Asian. It's, it's a non-Western sounding name. Do, do you think that having a traditional and non-Western sounding name affected your career path in the lower mainland in British Columbia, for better or for worse? It could have. I'll be frank. Gurminder is not anglicized. There's a bit more difficulty in terms of pronouncing it for people on the first round of introductions. It's a factor that has caused some lawyers to anglicize their names. You know, Gurminder has become Gary for some individuals. And I'm not one to judge whether that was the right decision or the wrong decision, because at the end of the day, whatever decision you feel best is a decision that is up to you. I personally, speaking only for myself, wanted to keep Grimender as my first name because I wanted a, a connection with my heritage and to keep the bonds with my family past and to respect the name that was given to me by my parents. That being said, by by no means do I wish to denigrate people who have chosen anglicized names. I think that they've done so for various reasons that are important to them. And that's fine. 
Yeah, it's definitely a difficult line to walk sometimes to hang on to what is a traditional family value versus trying to, for lack of a better term, assimilate into a, a new culture. And for some people, they do it one way and for others, they, they do it other ways. And there's probably no right or wrong way to do it. But certainly a lot of respect to you for choosing a particular path and seeing a lot of success. Now, I also understand that you've got three kids and they also have distinctly traditional South Asian names. Do you think that in today's multicultural society, and not just speaking in terms of growing up in Vancouver, but a lot of professions such as in law becoming more and more diverse. Do, do you think that their career opportunities and their career paths will be impacted in any way that's different from the way your career path may have been impacted by having a very traditional South Asian name? Well, I think society has changed over the past four decades plus in terms of a greater degree of multiculturalism, a greater tolerance of people of with various differences. And I think that people generally are more comfortable with hearing ethnic names, seeing ethnic professionals, racialized professionals. And so society as a whole, I believe, has changed from the days that I was growing up in the 90s, which doesn't seem that long ago, but is two decades plus at this point. Uh, so things are changing for the better and they're incremental changes. They're, it's, it's not like people with racialized names or of a racialized background aren't still going to face certain struggles. But I think that those challenges are decreasing and hopefully will continue to decrease over time. Do you, do you think any of your kids are going to follow in your footsteps and become lawyers? I think that as, as a parent, you can guide your kids in terms of giving them advice in terms of different professions, giving them the high points and the low points. And the only profession that I can truly give advice about is the legal profession. And I hope one of them follows suit, but I want them to pursue their own paths. After listening and seeking the input of their, their parents, their uncles and aunts, making the choice that they best feel comfortable with, as opposed to imposing a certain profession upon them. It, it's ironic that you would give that answer, but expect that they will display these lawyerly attributes of hearing different arguments, different perspectives, and coming to their own conclusions. I think if they can do all of that successfully one day, they might become a BC Supreme Court judge. Well, that's every parent's dream, but we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> that's great. Now, speaking of kids and, and family life, obviously, you must be a very busy professional. You've got your law practice, your newly minted partner, and of course, your adventure as well. So how do you maintain a work-life balance that allows enough time for you to spend with your family and, of course, to succeed in your legal career? I, th I think the best way to answer that question is it, it takes a village. And that village is multifaceted. At the firm, that village is composed of article students, junior colleagues, legal assistants, paralegals who help with work tasks, who unfortunate enough to delegate certain tasks to, 
And uh, that lessens my load so that I can spend time, you know, taking the kids to a number of their activities. And on the home front, it takes a village there as well. And, you know, that, that village coming from a South Asian community takes the form of in-laws, grandparents, uncles and aunts doing their part whenever they have time to ferry the kids to various activities or after school events. And so I've been blessed on multiple fronts, the home front and the work front, to work with a great team, to have a great partnership with my spouse, who has supported me in terms of becoming a partner and running for venture and getting elected as venture and sharing some responsibilities that I would otherwise have to do. So to sum up, it, it takes a village and there's no way a person can do all their roles on their own without support. And I'm beholden uh, to the support, whether it's at work or on the home front to get me to this point. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of respect and, and privilege to be in this position, right? To get a lot of that support, to find the time to succeed in all areas. Now, in terms of succeeding on the legal profession front, I understand you've also recently started a brand new practice area, fairly recently, right? Within the past uh, year or so. And could you tell us a little bit about that? Well, for uh, the first 20 years of my practice, I practiced in downtown Vancouver. And over the past four or five years, uh, I noticed a changing uh, demographic. There's a population influx in the Fraser Valley. Statistics indicate that the population of Surrey is going to surpass Vancouver the year 2030. And there's a lot of young families with young children, teenagers uh, that are moving in to the Fraser Valley, whether it's in Delta, Surrey, Abbotsford. And I decided to join Hamilton Duncan because of that changing demographic. I believe that Vancouver was fairly saturated with lawyers who were practicing in family law and that Fraser Valley was entering into almost a generational change. And I thought I could play a role in terms of assisting that changing generation with problems, whether it was in family law or whether it was in commercial litigation or in disputes that they may have in general litigation. So let me make sure I, I understand this correctly and also for the benefit of our listeners to really understand the magnitude of change that we're talking about here. You uprooted yourself from a successful downtown law firm practice to a brand new community, you know, not too far away, but a brand new legal community. And not only that, when you've been practicing essentially in insurance and commercial litigation for the past 20 or so years, you decided, well, I think that there's a need and I think that I have the ability to just learn a brand new area of law, family law, and just start that brand new in a new firm and a new community. That's what you did. That's crazy, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it, it, 
Brian, I'll be frank. It, it took a lot of courage. It, it took a bit of head scratching in terms of was this the right decision or the wrong decision? But oftentimes you're at a crossroads in terms of your practice. And I did a lot of ICBC insurance defense and that practice is in its twilight. And I had to pivot relatively quickly in terms of finding a new practice area, a growth area that could sustain me as a professional. And I came to the determination that out of every region in the surrounding uh, suburbs was the place to be. The amount of change that is happening in the Fraser Valley is huge, as opposed to uh, relatively incremental changes th that have been taking place in, in Vancouver. There's exponential change that's taking place um, in the Surrey region, not only in terms of growth of population, but growth of education facilities, such as a new campus of UBC, a growth in the construction industry with high rises popping up left, right, and center. And just a, an overall sense of optimism. This is where young families are putting down roots, where they're thinking of starting businesses, where they're uh, thinking of finding employment and making a name for themselves. And if I can make a name for myself in such a community, I think it's a win-win. Well, as a more senior lawyer trying to learn something brand new, as opposed to somebody who's fresh out of law school, did, did you find that you had a particular process that was effective in learning a new area of law, such as family law? Over the, the past two decades, I've uh, picked up various lit litigation techniques, understood how to resolve problems, whether in a commercial litigation or an insurance context. And that litigation skill set is transferable. And I transferred that skill set over to family litigation, utilized some of the techniques that I learned in alternate dispute resolution, in terms of drafting, conduct in court. And that part of the transition was relatively pain-free. What was a bit more painful was learning the substantive aspects of family law, um, understanding the family rules of court, some of the more nuanced issues that were directly related to family law. And that takes some work. It doesn't happen overnight. And what I can tell your audience is that there's a definite investment of time. There's some late nights, early mornings in terms of flipping through articles, textbooks to try to bring yourself up to speed as quickly as possible. So in addition to learning the substantive law and the procedural aspects, how do you grow your clientele? How, how do you market yourself? Because you're competing for business with lawyers who potentially have the same seniority and similar billable rates, but they're obviously much more experienced in family law because maybe they've been practicing exclusively in family law. I think that it's always a challenge whether you're starting a new practice or whether you're starting out as a sole practitioner of your own firm. But in either circumstance, what's important is to get your name out there, to get your name in the community and to do good work. There's various ways that a person can get their name publicized in the community. A traditional approach 
was marketing, advertising in newspapers or print publications. But these days, social media is huge. Advertising on Google, search engine optimization, publicizing articles, doing podcasts. That's the more modern way of getting yourself out there. And the third way is just doing good work. If you do good work for one client, you'll be surprised how many people they mention your name to. Because at, at the end of the day, people want good counsel. And if you can provide good counsel and a good work product, you'll get referrals and your name will spread. And hopefully for those sole practitioners who are starting out or those first year calls, who are wondering how to grow their practice, it'll take time. But if you follow a recipe of networking, making contacts, marketing, one can be successful. I do want to ask you sort of a twist on, on a very traditional question that a lot of podcast guests get asked, what advice they would give to a young lawyer. But I'd like to ask you something else. What advice would you give a new mentor? Somebody who is maybe a 10-year call, who is coming to terms with how to practice comfortably, how to manage the workload, how to deal with the work-life balance. And now younger lawyers are coming to that individual for advice. How do you be a good mentor? Having an open door policy is very important. Everyone is busy these days, whether it's with work, family, social life. But a 10-year call has to realize what it felt like as a first year or a second year call. And they can't ignore that fact. And they have to take into account that first uh, or second year or third year calls may be struggling with certain issues. And their role as a, a senior associate or a junior partner at their firm is not only to grow their own practice or to do their own work, but I feel that their role shifts to one of giving back. And the best way to give back at that age is to lend a hand. If, if, if a junior needs something proofed, take 30 minutes to proof it. Take the time to give suggestions and be a listening post. I think that you'll benefit the junior, but you'll also develop your own listening skills. You'll develop your own management skills that will be beneficial to you as a senior associate or junior partner when you're dealing with clients who are coming to you with certain problems or issues. If you can practice that skill set with juniors, you'll be a better lawyer for it with clients. Well, thank you, Gurminder. So much wisdom, so much inspiration you've shared with us today, being a South Asian lawyer who grew up in the lower mainland, working your way through high school, undergrad, law school, and now a partner and a venture. I think a lot of us want to follow in your footsteps. A lot of us look to you for guidance and inspiration. So we thank you for sharing all of the advice and all of the wisdom uh, that you have today. And hopefully you'll be able to join us again and tell us how things are with being a venture and, and being a newly minted partner very soon. Thank you, Brian, for having me. It was a pleasure to discuss 
the, the issues and concerns that uh, you expressed on behalf of your audience. And I want to part with sending a message to your audience that should they have any questions or concerns that they can lean on me as a listening post to guide them through some of the difficulties that they may be facing. Thank you for that, Graminder. Definitely reflective of the open door policy that you mentioned earlier. And I hope that our listeners will take you up on your offer and chat with you. We really do appreciate all that you do for the legal community, for the law society. And thank you very much again for joining us today. Thank you for tuning into the Fackle BC podcast. Visit our website at facklebc.ca and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at FackleBC. We hope you enjoyed our episode today and stay tuned for the next guest. If you have guest speaker suggestions, please email us at membership at facklebc.ca.